This is Finally Free, a podcast for those sick of battling their bodies, sick of fearing food and the number on the scale, sick of punishing exercise all in the pursuit of diet culture's version of health and wellness. I'm Alana Vandersloos, a certified intuitive eating counselor, eating disorder survivor, and the founder of Freedom with Food and Fitness, where I offer group coaching for women who are ready to heal their relationship with food in their bodies and become their healthiest, happiest, most confident selves without ever having to go on another diet. On this podcast, you will hear me answer your biggest questions around how to become a successful intuitive eater. You'll hear inspiring stories of other women on their food freedom journeys, those who are recovering, those who are recovered, and those who are helping others to do the same. I'll teach you how to quiet that incessant voice in your head telling you you're not enough, how to find peace and satisfaction with food again, how to embrace the one and only body you have with fitness you enjoy so you can move through this world with confidence. Are you ready to be finally free? Before we get started, I want to remind you of everything I have to offer with Freedom with Food and Fitness. First, I offer group coaching. My 10-week intuitive eating coaching program is called Defy the Diet, and it blends intuitive eating principles and mindset work in a hybrid format that blends group and private coaching to give my clients amazing results. My summer cohort client, Adriana, had this to say about me as a coach. Alana's helped me develop a healthier relationship with food and helped me uncover the root causes of my disordered eating. She's very open and honest about her own struggles in her journey, which empower me and the other ladies in the group to have deep conversations about the challenges and pressures we face from diet culture in our society. It's testimonials like that that seriously make everything I do for my clients and my business worth every second. If you're someone who wants true mental and physical health without restriction and obsession, stop overeating, find consistency in nutrition, movement, and self-care, and take the guilt out of wellness, this program is for you. I also try to make this program as accessible to everyone as possible by offering several packaging options with different price points, and I also offer weekly payment plans. Enrollment is currently closed, but if you want to be the first to know when doors open again for our next life-changing round of coaching, go to freedomwithfoodandfitness.com slash waitlist. That's freedomwithfoodandfitness.com slash waitlist. I cannot wait to see you inside. If you're not quite ready for coaching, check me out on Instagram at freedomwithfoodandfitness. There I have exclusive blog posts, free worksheets, free videos, and so much more. Just one more thing before we get started. I have two brand new masterclasses for you guys. The first is a free masterclass called Intuitive Eating, Separating Fact from Fiction. So if you're an intuitive eating newbie who's just trying to figure out if intuitive eating is your next step to healing your relationship to food and your body, this new masterclass will go in depth into why dieting never seems to work for you, the 10 principles of intuitive eating, and five false myths about intuitive eating so we can set the record straight and get you on a path to guilt-free and sustainable nutrition and movement. If you're interested in this free 40-minute masterclass, go to bit.ly slash intuitive eating freedom. That's bit.ly slash intuitive eating freedom. The second masterclass is called Am I Addicted to Sugar? How to Feel in Control Around Sugar Without Saying Goodbye to Sugar. 
This masterclass is for anybody who, like I used to, feels like they can't trust themselves around sugar, is always binging on sugar, but doesn't want to have to give it up cold turkey. I'll teach you the science behind why you feel like you're addicted to sugar, whether or not sugar is actually bad for your health, and five actionable strategies to befriend sugar in a way that heals your relationship to it without having to say goodbye to it forever. This course also comes with a workbook of over 30 pages that allows you to implement the five strategies into your life as soon as today so that you can heal your relationship to sugar for good. A replay copy of this 50-minute masterclass and the workbook is only $47. So if you're looking to heal your relationship to food and you feel like healing your relationship to sugar is your first step, this masterclass is for you. So to register, visit bit.ly slash healing sugar relationship. That's bit.ly slash healing sugar relationship. And if you forget, Either or both of those links, they are on my Linktree link that is on my Instagram page. You guys, this was an insane moment for me. This episode, totally fangirled, okay? I have been following Trish Blackwell and the Confidence Podcast for well over a year at this point. I've binged probably all, if not maybe close to all, of her over 500 podcast episodes of the Confidence Podcast. She is a light. She is a truth seeker and a truth teller. And I just, I love her. And and we, we've, we've decided, we decided off camera that we would be in real life friends if we lived closer. Um, but she does have a house in Jersey. So we exchange phone numbers and I would love to take her out to lunch <laughs> just for being so, so game to be on my show without really knowing me and for being my light and my inspiration um, when she didn't even realize that she was. So she is such a phenomenal person. But uh, let me give you her <laughs> her uh, official bio here. So Trish Blackwell is an expert at empowering people to get past self-doubt, overcoming self-limiting beliefs, and perform at their highest levels. Confidence coach to Olympic athletes, Ironman champions, CEOs, high-achieving entrepreneurs, and cultural influencers. She has been featured by TLC, Entrepreneur, and Elite Daily as one of the top confidence coaches in the world. She specializes in helping high achievers think with more power, clarity, and belief through her podcast, videos, and books. She is the CEO and founder of the College of Confidence and the host of the top-ranked podcast, the Confidence Podcast. You can learn more about Trish and what she offers as a confidence coach at trishblackwell.com. Also in the show notes, I'm going to have links to everything from her Instagram to her Facebook to her podcast. So you can find her everywhere that she is. Uh, and this episode was amazing. It went by way too quickly as it always does with my guests, but this one particularly, we could have talked for hours. We talk about the dark secrets of Olympic athletes and models and Trisha's story from going from crippling perfectionism and disordered eating as a successful division one athlete, nonetheless, to a confidence coach, how you can convey, uh, cultivate confidence in your own life and so much more. So Without further ado, here's my conversation with the one and only Trish Blackwell. Just one more thing, a trigger warning. While Trish is such an inspiration in terms of confidence and mindset, she's not squarely in the anti-diet space. So there is some talk about weight loss and numbers. I still want you to be open to this episode if you feel like you're in a place where you can be. There are so many mentors that I have in my life, like Trish, who I don't 100% align with, but that's fine. 
There are things about me and my message that you're not going to 100% align with. There are going to be ideas that we adopt from different people. And if we only listen to people we 100% align with, we would miss some invaluable information and wisdom that they have for us that we don't already have. And it would lead to confirmation bias. And that's not a place where we can grow. So please, take this episode, take from it what inspires you, and leave the rest. I hope you learn to love Trish as much as I have and gain a lot of insight from our discussion. Ms. Trish Blackwell, you are on my show and we didn't catch it on <laughs> we didn't catch it on 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 video or on audio, the the, the fangirling that just happened, but I've been such a fan of yours. For, for a long time now. I'm I'm so stoked to have you on the show. I am just delighted to connect and I appreciate the opportunity to hang out and talk about something that we're both passionate about and that needs yeah. more, more conversation around so we can take the stigma, take people's overthinking. I mean, let's just start being ourselves and being free and like living life and not being distracted by the nonsense in our heads. Yeah, 100%, 100%. So, so for people who have not had the gift of listening to your show, the confidence podcast, um, tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah. So my name is Trish, Trish Blackwell. I am the host of the confidence podcast and it's a podcast. Gosh, we've been going for nine years. I think, I think it's a solid nine, almost 10 years. Um, and I've been confidence coaching during that process. And since, and I got into this space First and foremost, because I was passionate about body image and eating disorders because I was stuck in the worst of all types, right? And I was stuck in the background, even if we pull back the lens even more, um, I was a, a full scholarship division one athlete and, you know, and behind the facade, the, per, the performance, I had this uh, underlying underlying perfectionism and pressure. And I put a lot of pressure on myself and I started putting so much pressure on myself that my performance yeah, athletically started being uh, affected. Well, what did I interpret it instead was, oh, I must be too heavy. I must need to lose some weight. So rather than recognizing it was a brain issue, I thought it was a body image issue. And so then I created even more issues and I overtrained and I under ate. And then you literally for the next 10 years, list out the eating disorder. Uh, I did it. I've done it. I've been horrified in it. I've been stuck in it. And I remember thinking, here's what was the hard thing. So I'm at this great school with great resources. And I knew I needed to see a sports psychologist. I knew I was afraid of food at that point. And I was struggling with that, but like also training four to six hours a day sometimes. And you're like, okay, well, I can't, this is my school. I, this is a job. It's paying for my school. I can't not perform but I also don't want to eat. And I was like, this is huge. Like, so my answer was, I'll just do more exercise. But in all that, I sought the help of nutritionists and they just said, eat more pasta. You're an athlete. It was just, I felt so misunderstood. And then uh, the sports psychologists who were supposed to help me not put pressure on myself, who literally were like, well, just stop trying so hard. I'm like, okay, whoa. So you're telling me you can't help me. I basically felt like I had a lot of people at a really great place that were like, yeah, you're just a little, so I, then I internalized that as a, I'm a hot mess. No one can help my brain, even the professionals. 
And so long story short, that is why I'm so passionate about one, like removing the stigma of any body dysmorphia, disordered eating patterns of any type and just go. And I, I love talking to people about it and my personal training years. Cause I was like, look, you will not shock me with what you've done. Like, come on, let's go ahead and ahead of something that you think is so shameful, so gross. I'm right. Like, I was like, I just want to make you not feel so weird. Cause I remember the first time I realized, wait, I'm not the only one who thinks this way the relief and the hope. I mean, it was like I climbed out of a dark hole that I was stuck in forever and went, there's, I don't have, I, I can remember thinking, I was watching people going, oh, they don't have to think about food. I wonder what that's like. I remember thinking that, uh, learning about intuitive eating and a lot of that. And I went, yeah, but people like me, you don't get that. I had that narrative. And so all that to be said, long story short, um, I moved to France after college. I wrote my first book about that, this like really, eye-opening understanding of body image that I was able to start emulating from there. And then I was, I decided to come back, got into personal training. I was like, I'm going to be the person in the fitness world that tells the truth, right? Because there's not, there's a lot of not untruths in the fitness world. We look at the cover of fitness magazine. We don't know that that, that girl has not drank liquid in two and a half to three days. We don't know that she has counted her broccoli as high carbs for the past three weeks. We just think she she wakes up and looks that lean and toned. And so there's so, like, we're not even talking about editing images, you know? Right. So like, I was just like, why are we, we're, and I just remember how imprisoned I felt. And I was like, okay, anything to help free others. I got freed and I, then it was, like, you know, still 10 years of learning to manage my mind, learning how to talk back to my thoughts. And, and really find freedom, which is why I'm so passionate about confidence. Because the thing is, this whole time, I, I mean, I've always been extroverted. I've always been a leader. I've always been the person who, I mean, like, it's just my personality. So everyone thought I was confident. Yeah. Everyone. And I'm really good at pretending to be, I was really good at pretending to be confident. And I wasn't on the inside. And I realized, okay, it's a mind job in the same way food. So that is why I just love talking to people about how when you change your words, how one sentence can change your life. 100%. Even just believing, like I, I had this thought a couple, I'm almost 40. And you know, there's this narrative of like, well, being things go downhill and watch out for the metabolism and you're gonna have to watch what you eat. And I'm like, I don't know. What if I just decide I don't have to worry about that? What if I just decide that I'm gonna be friends with food my whole life and food and my and my and with my body? That my body will tell me what it needs and what it doesn't. Like, I'm just going to decide that thought just took, takes off a lot of the anxiety about anything in the future. So, Absolutely. yeah. So that's a long answer to, <laughs> but yeah. But you know what? And there's, there's so much to unpack in that because like someone will look at you and they'll say, well, look at, look at Trish Blackwell. She's thin. She's beautiful. She has wonderful husband, beautiful children. She's built this successful business. She was a division one athlete. Of course she's confident. Yeah. So peeling back those layers, because as you said, it, it was a facade for you yeah. for, for a long time. When you peeled back those layers, what did you find was causing that lack of confidence for you? Hmm. You know, that's a great question. And I think if I peel it back, right, because you're right. I, here's the thing about type A's. Well, what's funny about perfectionists is we don't think that we're perfectionists. We're like, well, I'm not really doing things well enough to be a perfectionist, but I kind of have perfectionistic tendencies. And you're like, if you're thinking that guys, you are, like, mm -hmm. but okay, let's just call it type A. Let's call it the overachiever. Um, I, I 
spent so much time thinking about that. Oh, I think what I was getting with is you know how to do the facade and it's exhausting. And then you're so exhausting that you don't have time to think. So I got stuck in a cycle of years of being a massive action taker and a massive pretender and a massive accomplishments, checking the list of anything I did, I would be able to do, but I didn't have even just 10 minutes a day to think about what I was thinking about. So underneath all of that though, Alana, I think was that I was believing a narrative that I needed to prove myself. That somehow if I finally proved myself, then I would be worthy. So it was a worthiness issue. And it was a, the thing is, if you go, I'm just going to prove myself. I'm going to prove it myself when I make my first six figures. I'm going to prove myself when I hit that perfect body fat percentage. I'm going to prove myself when I run a marathon in this thing. I mean, you, like I kept picking these mile marks. And then the thing is, is you cross the finish line, metaphorical or, not, or real, and you go, feels good for 10 minutes. And then you're like, okay. Or I had what, at one point I can remember getting like that. Like, I was like, okay, my body's perfect. Like it was, I can remember going, and then I went, then the anxiety overwhelm of, oh, like it was like, and it was all just like, wait a second. Like I am chasing the wrong thing. I'm chasing the wrong thing. I'm creating, I'm trying to create happiness and confidence from external things versus from the inside out. And that's like, okay, we know that happiness is on, and we, with all these core adages that we hear as kids, they're true. <laughs> Starts on the inside. If you think you can do it, you can. Like, it's just, but it's mind blown when you actually see it as an adult and you live it out and you're like, wait a second. That statement I learned when I was in second grade, that's true. Why wasn't I just keeping it simple? Yeah. And, the- and you know, I, I think it's so hard for people to wrap their head around the fact that somebody who is, thin or beautiful or successful. Like I have a lot of people say, yeah, but you're thin. And I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, when I was at my thinnest, I was my most miserable. So you can't tell me, Me you you can't tell me that a goal weight is going to make you happy. You just can't. Nope. It it, it has nothing to do with that. I got to say the biggest thing that changed my, my, uh, really that next level of freedom was pregnancy. I was afraid. I swore off. Like I was like, I don't like kids, not going to do the kid thing. But really, if we really peeled it back, it's because I was afraid of being pregnant. Mm. I did not have a relationship with my body that was trust-based. But the thing is like, I had the, my pregnancies, it was, it was just so transformational and just like an invitation to trust. And right. An invitation to go, here I am. I need to lose weight. And like, you know, and you set up structure for whatever you need, but it was life changing for me. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of people I think that go, well, you're blonde and you're extroverted and this, and, uh, and I, I, for me, I'm like, but I can tell you the misery in my mind that I have felt is entirely the exact same as anybody else who feels stuck in their body without a solution. And my, my colleagues of my, my, I have a very fit, very active mother. Um, and my, my father is overweight and has been obese my whole life. And so I have very core memories of him not being able to ride roller coasters with us. I have core memories of being seated at a restaurant when it was like our family would splurge on going out to like whatever, uh, Olive Garden and being seated at a booth and him not being, we, us having to, him not fitting, being, having to ask to be moved tables. And so I also had parents who were at that time in a, now it's, I mean, miracles happen. They are still married. They're happier they have ever been. He's also hundred pounds down. Literally you told my 10 year old self this, I'm like, this is not possible. But I saw at the time, the contention was 
I was told if your father cared about you, he would lose weight. If your father loved us. And so it was highlighted in their fights. I got brought into look how embarrassing is this? He doesn't love you enough. So we're, he's going to embarrass us in public and we have to sit somewhere. So even though I've never struggled with being overweight, I have been in a family where it has been a, a weaponized mm-hmm. and a fear tactic. And it also contributed to my eating disorders. So again, healing has happened. They have a beautiful marriage now. But it's so I really want people to know, like, I just if even if we don't look the same, I understand or at least I can I can empathize with the pain and the thoughts and the other than-ness that you feel and the judgment. And and also in personal training, the number of people I worked with to lose weight that were significantly overweight, most of them are under eating. And it enrages me because there's so much judgment from society that, right, it's just like, and and the way to get, you know, and you know this, we have to increase the calories to get the metabolism to work. And so it is terrifying. If you're used to, if you're 50 or 100 pounds overweight and you're used to eating a thousand calories a day and your body's, it's like, it is scary to eat more. But if you eat more and you eat the right things and it's guided, you will lose the weight. Exactly. It's like, we have to, we have to do the opposite of what diet culture tells us to do. Yes. 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 (laughs) I have clients that come to me and they're like, I I keep binging. I keep binging. And then they tell me they don't eat anything any day, like all day. And at least to this binge. And I say, well, you have to do the opposite of what your brain is telling you because after a binge, your brain is telling you to restrict, but that is setting you up for the next binge. Yeah. And I think for me, the binging was right. Cause I would do that. I would binge and then I eat for two days and then binge and then do a three hour workout. And, and the, the for me, the, the freeing sort of, I, when I think I, when I find myself on a hamster wheel of like a uh, self-sabotage, I was looking at it. How do I get off of this? What's the exit off of this highway? And for me, it was, what if I get curious about the binge versus judgmental? That yeah. self, when you can shift from a place, shift from self-criticism, because when we binge, the, the angry, self-critical, self-judging voice comes out and it's like, okay, but that doesn't, that just perpetuates it. What if I got compassionate from self-criticism to self-compassion if it were from criticism, I like to think of it as criticism to curiosity. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what was the emotion I was feeling? That's interesting. Huh? And, and, and like, when you're curious, then you can take something from it. You can go, I, this, I'm going to have gratitude for whatever just happened. Cause in this gratitude, there's something for me to learn here. I still have a lesson here. And if I can take the lesson, there is growth. Whereas for me, I used to just shower myself in shame and hatred. <laughs> like, hard. Yeah. But if we're honest, what I it was really freeing for me, one of the first breakthroughs was Wait, I don't binge. I used to think, well, I binge because you're, you know, name the million horrible things you could possibly say about yourself. Instead, it was, oh, Trish, you're just, it's not an overeating problem. It's an underfeeling problem. There's an emotion that you don't want to feel and you're scared, whether it's overwhelmed, stress, anxiety, whatever. So you binge, right? Because you, you know, the emotion of anger at your health self, and that's a very comfortable emotion. So that emotion feels safer. You hate it but it's safer than this uncertainty you feel. So, and then once I realized I was like, oh, I'm just exchanging emotions. It's not about the food. It lifted a lot of shame for me. Yeah. That was actually the one sentence that changed everything for me. And I don't even know who said it, but they said it was on a podcast. It's not really about the food. And yeah. I was like, oh shit. Hold up. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and it was similar to your journey. It was, it was this, it was this wiring to people, please. 
and mm-hmm. to receive external validation. And if I was thin, mm-hmm. I was what society wanted me to be. I was society's version of pretty. I was yep. achieving something, but it yep. didn't make me happy. Yep. Because it wasn't coming from me. I hated myself yeah. at that point. But I do, I have to ask because you train Olympic athletes. Yeah. Well, yes, uh, yes. You used to, you mindset. used to, right? Yes. Well, no, and I saw, I do some mindset training. Yes. Okay. Tell me some of, like, tell me the story of an athlete, no names, obviously. Yeah. But what are some misconceptions we have about athletes in terms of their athleticism or their relationship with food or their confidence levels or their bodies? Like, cause we see these, these athletes as peak health, peak physical performance has everything in front of them. They're like their future. What don't we know? Yeah. What we don't know is that there is nothing different about them than you and me. They just do ordinary things with more consistency than anyone else. And they struggle with the same things. They struggle with the pressure. They struggle with the judgment. I think it's also, so I'm going to relay, I'm going to relay and relate Olympic athletes to high performers, right? Cause this, if we talk about just being a high performer in general, anybody, and you might think you're not a high performer. If you have high expectations of yourself, or if you've ever said, I'm just hard on myself, you're a high performer, right? You have a high capacity to do things. It's this pressure where everyone, and, and it might be that, you know, you're achieving all kinds of things and people are like, they're happy, they're good. And on the inside, you're like, but nobody's asked, like, I actually am not good. I don't really believe in myself. So I think there's a lot of people that look at athletes that are at that level and go, well, you already know you're good. You already know that you're the best. They don't. The true breakthrough is that I do with these, with these athletes is to get them to do affirmations where they believe in the edge that they have, whether it's their passion for their sport, whether it's their commitment and discipline in the smallest things, and just to be able to get them to have that, that, that not arrogance, but there's an ownership, a dominion over believing there's no one who trains like me. I'm not intimidated by any competition because I know, because, but typically these are such hard driven wired for success people they're always thinking uh, they're they're wired to go i could probably i could probably do more mm-hmm. how to trust that they are already ready and trust their brain to 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 perform or their body to perform and to allow their brain to take over so what I, the work i do with them is really how do you train your brain if you're going to train your body and represent your country or get full scholarships in places or be a professional athlete because some of these athletes have then transitioned to professional athletes um, are you training your mind as, and your brain as much as you're training your body? Cause if you're not, that is so for us, when they work with me, this is the edge. If you can stand against your any sport and go, I literally, cause look, there's only so many hours of the day that you can train your body. Your body needs rest. But if you know that you are more disciplined in the training of your mind than anyone else, you will outperform them. That's awesome. So how do we train our brains? What's yeah. like, what's like one strategy yeah. that listeners can take away from like how do we start yeah. the process of training our brain don't laugh because it's so simple okay like I'm, please you guys are gonna be like oh why did she say that that's so like i've tried it before journal it's mm-hmm. so simple but like literally journal but journal effectively and and journal in a way that that teaches you to have have a conversation with yourself 
uh, one of the, the core of how I teach journaling is you is is and it should be less than five minute activity and you can expand but as a core you go five minutes no matter what um, five things you're grateful for and then here's and, and what is blocking my mind today like what's my negative thought reframing that thought talking back to it actually taking the time to go I'm worried about this and and also for athletes and anybody that has a goal after you write your affirmation your five gratitudes you write you write your goal down. I'm making a million dollars in my business. I'm losing 20 pounds. I'm on my way. Like something that you're like, this is the thing. This is what I'm doing. It's reminding your brain, hey, we've decided this is what we're doing. We're not hoping. That's also where, where I work with athletes. Of like, we're not hoping to win. We've just decided to win. Mm-hmm. You're not hoping to lose weight. You've decided to lose weight because in the past, when you've hoped to lose weight, you tried Weight Watchers, you tried everything, you tried Jenny Craig, and you tried, you know, your own version of whatever. And you yo-yoed is because you kept trying. We got to stop trying and start deciding. So simple act of writing out what you've already decided you do. And it's going to feel scary because you're, it's, you're like, I don't know if I can do it, but that's what, that's faith. This is like activated faith in your life for what you're willing to believe, right? So after that, then you go, okay, so this is the core thing. Is there a thought today that's blocking me from believing that? And you write, that is your negative thought. It's just the negative thought is going to be like, am I feeling... You know, am I, do I have dread today? Yeah, I do. Or I'm, I'm beating myself up over what happened in the kitchen last night. You write it down. You bit very factually. And then what we do is the reframe after that's where the power is. One, you're learning how to have a self-compassionate, self-encouraging voice to yourself. And you're learning how to talk back to your inner voice. And so having that written down and the way I like to have people finish journaling is you, once you, it's amazing when you reframe on paper and you see yourself having a conversation with yourself, you sort of have your answer right there. It's the problem disappears. Yeah. And then close it out with an affirmation. And I teach people how to write their own affirmations every day. So it's like, and you base that affirmation on where's your brain blocked for them that day. Right. So maybe someone is uh, on a weight loss journey and they got on the scale the day prior and they were disappointed. And then they end up saying, you know what, forget it. And they poured an extra glass of wine that was off plan. And then you wake up the next morning and you're feeling guilty. So you talk back and in, 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 in the reframe, you would answer, hey, you know what, what did I learn? We learned that my emotion, I didn't slow down to feel my emotion. And therefore I gave up. I, hey, I had a micro quit yesterday. Today is a new day. That might be the reframe. But the affirmation is I am still on my way to my weight loss and to learning to partner with my body, whatever. I like to have people flowered up, flowered down. Sometimes it's simple. Sometimes it's today is going to be a great day. And then sometimes it's I'm not behind. I had a lesson that I needed to learn yesterday that I'm applying to today. I am proud of myself. So something like that, and I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's game changing. And we use that for athletes if they've had a bad race or they had a bad uh, game or something. You go, look, that was just one thing. This is how we have that goldfish brain. We just decide this is what I'm learning from it. Now I move on. Right. Absolutely. And, and, and I don't want to gloss over the fact that I think one of the keys to that type of journaling, which I also teach as well, is you don't say I will. Da, da, da. It's yes. I am. I yep. am, I already am. Like my, yes. I, I just got publication date for my book, Trish, which yes. I'm so excited. Yes. And I, I, I write down in my journal, I am a best-selling author. And I have no evidence for that literally at all. <laughs> but you already I, yep. I'm already there because Love it that. forces me to act as if I am. Yep. 
Yeah. Yep. Now I have, I can't believe how fast this went. I'm, I'm so angry about it. <laughs> I have two questions for you. Okay. Um, yeah. Number one. So, so when we do the reframes and, and talking in present tense for things that we want, people are going to say, that's so Pollyanna. That's so toxic positivity. Yeah. I get this a lot from my clients. Aren't I just lying to myself that I can make peace with food and be happy at wherever my natural weight is. I have my answer for this. What is your answer to this? Because I, if anybody listens to the confidence podcast, you are oozing with motivation and positivity and uh, you know, all the things. And so people could possibly mistake in that for toxic positivity. So, so what are we really teaching them? Because yeah. we're not teaching them that. So what are we teaching them? Yeah. So I'm teaching you look at let's. So it's not toxic positivity. Toxic positivity is a. I think it's a, a relinquishment of ownership. I, I what what in this journaling process, I'm going. What are the facts? We got to strip that. So I like to call it either de-dramatize what has happened, or neutralize it. And we look at really circumstantial facts. Like you can't say um, like even if you're just describing, I have a stressful week. That is not true. You have a week with a lot of things in it. Me saying this is stressful is my adjective I'm adding that then makes this objective thing, the objective concept subjective, right? So one first and foremost, we strip it down. So it's not like I binge last night and I'm disgusting. It's I ate 16 Oreos that were not planned and I have a horrible stomach ache and diarrhea today. Boom, those are the facts. Right. And now it's going, what am I going to do with the facts? Toxic positivity is saying like nothing, everything's going to be fine. And we sort of hope and wait for this real positivity, proactive, powerful positivity is saying my brain, my thoughts create my results in life, but it's not just my thoughts, right? Because one of the things I teach is the T is, is this, what I call the T cycle T it's based on the think, feel, act, um, cycle, right? So thoughts, emotions, action. And I like that because if you, I don't have a mug, but you look, if you were looking at a cup of tea, you'd be like, all right, I just want to reflect right now for a second. I'm feeling this. Okay. So that's my E that's my emotion. What am I thinking? That's creating that feeling, but our actions always come from our emotions. And so toxic positivity is just say it, name it. Let's be happy. This is going to be fine. It doesn't include any action. Right. So look, I, I, I want you to say positive things to create and generate a positive emotion but if you don't have a massive action after it, which is the ownership part, like one of my favorite things to tell people is, and we, we talk about this all the time in one of my membership groups is extraordinary lives, extraordinary things are done by doing ordinary things over and over and over and over or ordinary things with extraordinary consistency. So it's, you just don't stop trying, right? I think toxic positivity is I should, I'm just waiting for my million dollars in my business. I don't know why people aren't following me. I don't know why I'm not, you know, but if you're not looking at the trends of what's changing on Instagram and you completely refuse to do reels, whether you like them or not, your business is not going to grow, whatever it might be. So, but it's like willingness to look at the data and go, Oh, how do I need to change and act in accordance to that? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Toxic positivity is like sweep it under the rug. Don't feel that negative emotion. Stop, 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 stop. We're fine. It's, it reminds me of the meme with the dog in the room that's on fire. Yes. Well, I honestly, toxic positivity reminds me of me in college and in my young twenties when I was miserable and I yes. was still wired as a positive person, 
but I wasn't taking ownership of the fact that I was involved in my own self. I was just like, I keep messing myself up. I'm a failure. I guess this is it, but I'm sure it'll get better. And, but really I didn't believe that, you know? Right. Right. And I tell them, listen, it's a choice because I, I teach the same, the same thing you do. It's circumstances are neutral. You have a choice whether yeah. to believe it this way or this way about it. So make your choice. It's not that you're lying to yourself or you're being delusional. You're just making a choice. You might be making a choice that's different from what we're socialized to believe, but just right. because everybody else is believing it doesn't serve us. Probably not right. if we're talking about, you know, diet culture. So yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. It's what, it's, what are you going to make yeah. the story mean? What are you going to make the story mean? Like it's, yes. it's, this is the circumstance. What do you want to make it mean? Yes. Yeah. Oh, and one other thing though, let me speak very, one, one more comment to that. When people say, oh, but isn't that just toxic positivity? Uh, I also think there's something as toxic negativity where we're like, well, I just can't help it. This is how I think. Yeah. Okay. Because you're thinking you're, you're already deciding you're stuck in that negativity. And so it goes both ways. I think people don't realize that we have, to, that they are perpetuating their own stuckness. Yes. hundred percent. But it goes both ways. Right. So yes. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. So as we end, um, the the question I ask everybody, since this is the finally free podcast, Trish, to you, what does it mean to be finally free? Oh, I don't know if you know this about me, but I have a, I have two tattoos and one is on my wrist and it says freedom. I love uh, it. It's freedom. Um, my face is important to me. So it's got freedom with a cross in it. It's like shaped as a cross, but um, for me to be finally free is so important that I tattoo it on myself right? It means everything. Freedom is everything. The freedom to be yourself. I end every podcast, as you know, with be you, be free. And that first, it's so funny. I thought of, and when I started my podcast, I was like, this is how I'm going to end it. Here I am almost 10 years later saying the same thing. And the meaning has never changed because the freedom to, to, to live when I felt, when I'm in the disordered eating patterns or the body dysmorphia or the pressure on myself. Maybe I was, even when I was passing on the body stuff, the, in the mindset stuff and the pressure was still there, the performance, the desire to, to like, just this felt, I felt like it was, it was a fog. Right. And then in that fog, I either could always feel like I was in a cage or that I had these limitations or that, um, I had these, like I was running, but with shackles on. Mm. And you're like, you know how good it feels to like, to, if you're used to that and being held back and then you can just run, you can yeah. run. You can do like, it is to say it's life-changing is an understatement, but freedom is available. And I think really the core thing is to know that anybody that's got a disordered um, or just not healthy relationship with food or their body, I think the first starting point is you're not going to be stuck here forever. We have to decide that our future can be better than our past. I've teach four tenants and confidence, know who you are, know that you matter, know what you want and know that your future is bigger than your past. If you were like, just to believe, like, I'm not sure how I'm going to find this freedom or like what the process is, but I know it's available to me. That's the start. It gives hope. And that's everything. Right. And as you say, faith, you have to have the faith in yeah. something that you don't see yet. You can't see. But we, here's the thing that's really important to, and to know, look, I have the faith that my investments in the stock market are making money or depending about like, I have the faith what, that the money that I don't physically see is in my bank account. I have faith that the chair I'm sitting on is not going to break, right? Like we have faith in a lot of things. And I think it's interesting to know, like, because I think if you want to strengthen your ability to believe in what you can't see, we have to give ourselves um, pause to go, wait, there's a lot of things I believe in that I don't see. Gravity, right? Like 
There's a lot. So look, I don't need to know and see how it's going to happen, but I know I, one of my favorite power phrases is people like me do things like this. So for somebody who's been stuck in it for a while, you're like, but I've been struggling for 10 years, but there are people like me who do things like this, who break free from that cycle 10 years in 20 years in like there are already people and if they can do it, you can do it. Absolutely. Ah, it's a great note to, 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 to end on. I love that. So Trish, if people are looking for a body confidence coach, if they want to work with you, if they want to find you, where do they find you? If I mean, so easiest thing, well, if you're a podcast listener, so the confidence podcast, or just check out trishblackwell.com. I have trishblackwell.com and collegeofconfidence.com. Great, great first stops. Yeah. Awesome. Trish, this was amazing. Thank you this so, so fun. much. I know. Go for two hours, girl. Seriously. I really could. So much fun. You're the best. The best. Thank you. So that is it for today's episode. Seriously, of all the podcasts you can be listening to, I'm so honored that you took the time to listen to mine. I'm also so proud of you for taking this small step forward toward food and body freedom. If you like what you hear and you want to work with me as your coach, go to freedomwithfoodandfitness.com to schedule a free 15-minute discovery call. That way I can hear your specific needs and set up a game plan for your success. I would also be so, so grateful if you could subscribe, follow, rate, and review this podcast so many more people who need help with dieting, body image, disordered eating, and fitness can find our message of freedom. Until next time. And just in case you forgot, this podcast is solely meant for educational and entertainment purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for the advice of a physician, dietitian, therapist, or other qualified medical professional.